0: I would start in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Welcome back to the well, and welcome to this day before the Great Lent. So hopefully today um, I'll take you through a journey, and hopefully that journey is going to be a bit fast, so I hope you can stay with me. I would hope that if you have your phones with you, the STSA app has the notes part, It might be a good time to write in there because there's going to be like, it's going to be a quick review of the journey ahead. Of course, we're going to take our time and take it week by week in the well, the following Sunday and the following Sunday, we'll take it slowly. But my job today is to give you the overall picture, okay? The overall picture of what we're going to do, the whole road to the resurrection. So what is the goal of this journey? It's a journey to strengthen our union with the bridegroom. We just finished a marriage series, but this is a different kind of marriage. It's our marriage with God. So when we take this Lenten journey all the way to the resurrection, it's gonna, the focus is how to be united with our bridegroom, how to be united with the one that I love, to rekindle this marriage relationship. And from Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 4, it says, Scarcely had I passed by them, When I found the one I love, I held him and would not let him go. I want you to enjoy this beautiful journey, this journey of marriage with the bridegroom. Look, there's nothing better than us united with God. Right? We say, how do I stop all my problems and how do I change myself? Us united with the bridegroom. And if we find him on this journey and we grow our marriage with him, let's hold on to him. To be honest, it's so easy for us the next seven weeks or so to make this about, like Aboniente said, fasting and prayer or just fasting. And I'm gonna, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. I don't want you to have just an intellectual journey, which is important to have intellect, but a journey of experience. The next seven weeks, I hope that we can experience a beautiful marriage with the bridegroom. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we lose track, maybe week three, week four. We're hearing the Sunday liturgies. We hear the gospel and we've been fasting and we lose track of our destination. So first of all, it's a union with God. It's a marriage with God, the bridegroom. And we also have to live with the destination in mind. To say it better than me is there's Alexander Schmememann. Father Anthony referred to him today. Let's read his quote here. He says, when a man leaves on a journey... He must know where he's going. Thus, the Great Lent is a spiritual journey, and his destination is, altogether, is the resurrection. So you're probably thinking, today, I can't think about the Feast of Resurrection. It's too far away. But that's the goal. I'm in union with God to be resurrected. You and I should be different. We should be transformed on this journey. So that's the destination, the feast of all feasts, the resurrection. If you ask yourself, what would you hope most in this journey? Hey, God, change me. God, can you change me? God, can you help me overcome my sin? God, can you make me more like you? Can, you? can you help my marriage and let there be something better in there? Can you help? And so forth. But don't lose track of the destination, the resurrection, the resurrected life, the union with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only knowing the destination, But live like there is a resurrection. I'm not going to tell you how busy we are. All of you are busy. Some now are busy with school. Some are busy with work. And we're home. And we're doing different things. And no matter what we do in life, we're going to be busy. But we always fail to remember and live out the resurrection. We're preoccupied. And here's the worst thing we can do the next seven weeks. Be busy. With so many other things. We lose track of the union with God, the destination of a resurrected life. We have to live like there's a resurrection. Now, I'm sure you're like me when we say fasting, none of us are really ready for it. Fasting begins Monday. Let me take a week off. Let me take a couple weeks. Let me start slow. We're not ready for this long journey of fastings and prayers, and we wish it could be different. So we get discouraged. But don't forget to live like there is a resurrection. Here's the thing. You know why we need the resurrection? You know why our, fo- our focus should be on the resurrection? Because we need him. We need him. Every one of us is in need of him. Every one of us has a wound, a sin, a weakness, a trouble, a trial, a situation. Every one of us. We're in need of a resurrection. We're in need of healing. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. We're in need of that. But to help you, today I can't really take my time. That's what the next seven weeks are in the, in the well. But I'm going to give you a roadmap. I'm going to give you a roadmap of the journey. So at least you're prepared what's to come. Okay? It might be quick. That's why I said take some notes. But it's going to be worth it to give you a little bit of an outline of what's to come. Now, here's the question. Are you ready? To take this road trip with me today to the resurrection now i know you love road trips me and my family we tried to do a road trip recently or it was back in i think in november and we said one day we're gonna take a road trip to atlanta for 10 hours so we're excited we took a two three hour road trip and we hated each other <laughs> it was just like you know bickering and crying and fighting and that was the adults okay that was the big people <laughs> so <clears throat> road trips sometimes are good sometimes not but If you know road trips, you gotta get your snacks, you gotta get ready, you gotta get excited, you take this long journey. It's a long journey, but a beautiful journey, and I want us to take it together. I'm gonna give you a snapshot of this journey. But here's my here's my like disclaimer or whatever. I don't want you at the end of this well talk to get confused. I'm gonna throw out seven different things that I feel like we need to pick up on our road trip. Sometimes on your road trip, you make a stop. You need to pick this up. You need to pick this up. So I'm going to tell you some different things. But the goal is at the end, hopefully in your notes there and your, your app, you would say, this is the one that I need to focus on in my Lenten journey. You could pick one or two. But I'm not asking you to do everything I'm going to say right now. But I want you to think about all of them and choose one or two on this road trip. And of course, a road trip. Before you go on a road trip, first thing is what? We need to have a preparation. We need to prepare ourselves. We can't just go on a trip without preparing. You just can't jump in the car without preparing your luggage, preparing your things. But here, the preparation is kind of started today, the gospel today. And this whole week is called Preparation Week. What I want you to do, I know it's kind of small to see there, but the focus on this Preparation Week is the secret life. I want you to understand that you need to have a secret life. Now, when you say secret life, if you were ever to say that to your spouse, they'd be like, what? You have a secret life? Secret life here is you and God alone. We need to uncover or rediscover this beautiful secret life with God alone. In today's readings, I don't know if you saw them, but in Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, what did you notice? If you do your charitable deed, you do it in what? Let's say it together. You do it in secret. Let's do it all together. Now, that was the giving part. And now here, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. So, so far, everything we do should be in secret. And the final one is if we skip down, when you fast, you fast your father who's in a secret place. Time to have your secret life. With God this week, that's the focus. The things. Here's the thing, we do things in secret that doesn't please God. So let's go back in secret to help us overcome those secret things. Does that makes sense. Like I know in my house, my family knows my weaknesses more than you do. It's kind of a secret. I'm sure you can say the same. Our secret sins, behavior, weaknesses. This week, we need to go into our secret room, alone with God. And in secret, that's where God will help us through and uncover the things we need. Silence is the secret. Now, when we say silence, we would hope sometimes our kids to be silent so we can have a peace of mind, right? Can you stay silent? Silence is the secret of this journey. Do you think we can make it to the resurrection? By talking so much? Do you think we make it to the resurrection by being out and doing so many things and activities? I'm not telling you to shut down your life, but I'm just saying take some time in silence. Didn't Elijah hear God's voice? The still small voice? He didn't hear it in the fire or the earthquake. He heard it in a small voice. Do you want to hear your God? Do you want this marriage union with God? Do you want this resurrection? It's got to start this week by silence and sometimes to be honest and i want you to agree or not agree we're afraid of silence some of us are afraid to be silent actually we make noise there's some people i know who turn on music louder turn on the tv all night to, to make noise because we're afraid of the silent moment but that's we're never going to hear the voice of god so this week we need to be in silence saint isaac the syrian says Words are an instrument of this world. You know, when we speak, when we talk, hey, that's an instrument we use here. But silence is a mystery of the age to come. You know what I'm trying to say here is that we can speak a lot here, we can make a lot of noise, but that's just for here on earth. Silence is a mystery of the age to come. You know what that means? That the heavenly, the eternal, the things from from there can now be with me. But it's the secret life. It's silence. Make some time for that this week. Here is your prep week action item. At the end of each one, I give you a little action item. If this is for you, what I would say this week, coming up, this is the preparation week, make a commitment this upcoming prep week to enter your room, close the door, and be alone with him for 20 minutes each day. That's a challenge for you. 20 minutes each day, silence, for the throne of God, in your readings, in your prayers, alone. Now, if you want to do more, it's fine. If you can't do 20, it's fine. But I'm just saying this is a request. Because you know what? This week, this secret life, this silence is going to prepare the way for the road trip. We can't continue this road trip without that. That being said, I'm going to take you to pit stop number one on our road trip. Okay, road trip has stops, right? Sometimes we stop for the bathroom. Sometimes we stop for whatever, for snacks. The first stop is next Sunday, right? The first Sunday of the Great Lent, which is the one about treasures in heaven. What is the focus? The heavenly perspective. The first week, the first prep week was the what? Who remembers? The secret life, right? The secret life. This time... It's the heavenly perspective. What does the heavenly perspective mean? This verse will give us a clear picture. You know this verse very well from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Here is the problem with our journey. Our journey has so many things we want to do. Isn't that true? I got to go and do this. We got to do this. We We have so many responsibilities that we lose the heavenly focus and perspective. What is it? First God. First him. It has to be him. Here's the problem. To focus on him first, on this first pit stop, I ask you to think about what you want to drop off. On this first pit stop on the road trip, you're going to drop off some baggage. Okay? What is that baggage? For each one of us, it's different. Maybe something is worrying me. Maybe something is heavy for me. Maybe something is confusing me. We need that distraction to be put aside so we can focus on him first. To give you a better idea what I'm talking about here, being too focused on my problems makes me lose track of the priority. Seven weeks, what's going to happen after week two? We lost focus of him first, the heavenly perspective, that my treasures are really there, not here. So we might have to drop some things off. We might have to stop some media or social media or whatever. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm just saying that you can only carry so much in your car. You can only carry so much on your journey. You can have to drop something off and add something. We have to make sure our priority has been readjusted to the heavenly perspective. That being said, what are we going to do in pit stop number one? What baggage... And distractions. And I want you to think about this personally right now. If you have your app, write it down. What baggage and distractions do I need to leave at this stop so I can maintain seeking Him first? Look, it's nice to say seek Him first, but that could be a joke. That could be just a line we say. That can be just a verse. To seek Him first means I have to drop something that's really first. What is it that's really first in your life? What is your first priority that's distracting you from Him being the priority? That's the only way we can make this Lenten journey a journey to our bridegroom, to the resurrected life. we got to think about what things I need to drop off. Write them down. I need to to not make this the number one priority. Yes, this is a priority, but this is not the number one priority. He is the number one priority, seeking first the kingdom of God. So think about that on your Lenten journey. Let's continue because I don't have that much time, so I want to keep going. The second stop is the stop of Temptation Sunday. No one likes this because... There's a devil tempting, right? and tempt, tempted Jesus, and Jesus won. He was victorious. And just to give you a little encouragement, because Jesus is victorious on Temptation Sunday, we are also victorious. And that would give us this resilience, right? This gives us this We've been talking about this lately with the youth, about resilience. This is where most people crash. As soon as a sin brings us down, we, get, we give up. We give up on this journey. The Lenten journey, I've been fasting and praying, I made the same sin again. The devil tempted me, and I failed. There was no resilience. You know what resilience is? To bounce back. To bounce back up. God wants to give us, not give us, he wants to allow these things so we can bounce back. And just to give you a better idea, let's look at this verse from 1 Peter 1, verse 7. Let me be clear. God does not give temptation, but temptation will come. You saw Jesus himself faced temptation and he overcame it. It's going to come, but guess what it can do. It can have a positive turn. You're thinking, how can temptation be positive? Well, anyways, look at this. It could be a, a strengthening of our faith. The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it be tested by fire. That's a temptation. May be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Did you get that? So temptation will come. Temptation will come. But it's giving us an opportunity. Say, God, I'm yours. God, I love you. God, I need you. It's to show that we are weak, but he is victorious. So it's showing us our condition, but showing us that we have a way out, a way through this resilient spirit. Now, here's the thing that I want you to know, because we usually don't get past this week. It's our response to temptation that determines whether it will help us or hurt us. You will be faced with temptation. If Jesus is faced with temptation. You're going to be faced with temptation. So we're all going to be faced. Your response matters. What does that mean? How you respond to temptation. Will show if we're going to be resilient or not. Now here is. I want you to look at these and see which one. Hopefully you can see it clearly. But these responses are bad responses. That most of us. And I have Some of these in me sometimes. So I'm going to go through them. You see which one is you, but we don't want these responses. But I'm cautioning you when you face temptation, when sin hits you and you fall down, you make a mistake, you feel guilty, you feel shame. Maybe some of these things will happen. Self-pity. Why do I keep following? I'm so bad. Not a right response. Anger, resentment and bitterness. I have a right to be angry because God, you're not helping me get out of this. God, get me out of this. Right. We start saying those things and it starts bringing us down, saying, where is God? And we start having more pity on ourselves. The other option there is blaming. Right. We blame others. I did that because so and so was the reason. And we can blame our spouses. We can blame our children. We can blame friends. We can blame whoever for the mistakes we made. But let's own up to it. We can't blame anybody. Can't blame God. Here's a tough one that I think sometimes we do is we condemn ourselves. I always fail. I'm useless. It's my fault. Or fear. Right? You're afraid on this journey. The devil's always hurting me. The devil. And the last two, despair and resignation, which is almost just giving up. Giving up. Guys, we're all in the same shoes. Priests, deacons, servants, everyone here. We're all faced with temptation. But these will make you feel you can't bounce back. These are the ones that keep you down. But there's a different kind of response. Resilience, there is responding well to adversity so that we can withstand it and recover from it. Resilience, not so bad. Righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. The righteous man, it didn't say a sinful man, it said the righteous man falls, but he gets back up. Resilience is get back up. It's okay. You're gonna make it through it. God is ready to forgive. God is ready to help you through it. And sometimes, and I was sharing this with the youth, we need to look at nature to see resilience. You have the willow tree and you have the oak tree. Both these trees show us resilience. The willow tree, I don't know if you know willow tree, it can bend, 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 bend when it's faced with a storm, but doesn't break. It bends, it it can endure, it has that and then it bounces back. That's the willow tree. The oak tree is really unique. When it has a storm, the leaves fall off. You say, okay, what's the, the, it's broken. It falls off, but the roots get deeper. When a storm comes, the oak tree gets stronger, actually. It goes deeper, 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 and it looks like the leaves are gone. You say, okay, this tree is worthless, but the roots are getting deeper. Resilience is bouncing back. Don't put in your mind. We're going to talk about that in the next one. Don't put it in your mind that you can't. Don't give up. Don't have to spare. You're going to be faced with temptation. What's your response? Your response is this life of resilience. So let's go to what you need to do on this pit stop number two. When faced with temptation, hold on to Christ by responding well when facing temptation. Write down, you want to write down now, healthy ways that you can respond to temptation. You have a chance now. Write them down. Hey, what's a better way to respond to temptation? Write them down now, because you're going to be faced with it. How can you respond? Maybe you say to run back to my to my heavenly Father in the secret room again. Maybe to get some guidance. Maybe maybe to to acknowledge that you have weakness, but there's a healer there already. Think about that. Write down what's your response. But the response has to be a bounce back, a resilience, so we can continue our journey to a pit stop. Number three. Are you with me so far? Okay, good. Pit stop number three is the Prodigal Son Sunday. We know that Sunday very well. The Sunday of the Lost Son. There's a Greek word that I want you to, to know. It's called metanoia. And we know it as metanya. But it's metanoia is the change of mind. The Prodigal Son needed a change of mind right here. This metanoia. You know, to be honest with you, The mind is the gateway for spiritual life. It's the gateway for temptation. And it's the gateway to have the spiritual life. It's the mind. And to be honest, that's why we need Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. The mind. On this journey to the resurrection... Need to change our mind. Some people say our mind is sa'idi, right? Stubborn. It doesn't want to change. You can't change this rock. Well, guess what? There's someone who can really change our mind. There's someone who can transform our mind. I don't care how hard-headed your mind is. Can you, Everyone go like this. See if your 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 head is hard. Just everyone knock on it real quick. Somebody knocked on their wife's head, but I don't, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> don't knock on your spouse. Just knock on yourself. <clears throat> Sometimes this is hard. But look here God wants to renew our mind the prodigal son had a moment and he was in the father's house what did his mind tell him who knows his mind told him that you need to to do what to take the money and and leave was that the right response no Later on when he was eating with the pigs what did his mind tell him What did his mind tell him when he was eating with the pigs he said what am I doing eating with the pigs I need to go back to where? To My father's house. He had a metanoia. He had a change of mind. That's why I really love this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Let's say it together. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Bringing, all together, bringing every thought into captivity. So what happens when you have a thought? That's not good. An evil thought. An impure thought. A thought of anger. A thought of impurity. A thought of selfishness. What do you do? You bring it in front of God. God, help me with this. You bring every thought into the captivity. You know captivity? You bring everything in front of him and let him take it. Because we can't. We never make it to the resurrection because our thoughts deceive us. Sometimes when we meet each other, ah, he doesn't like me. Where did that thought come from? Oh, she has something against me. Or she's looking at me wrong. Or she's judging me. Or he's judging. These are up here. That's why we fight in our homes. That's why we fight with people. That's why. Because this thing is leading us in the wrong. We need a metanoia. We need a change of mind. Metanoia is an essential step in having a renewed mindset and attitude to continue on our journey. It's essential. It's a change of mind. Here's what we need to do. We need to do the same thing as the prodigal son. We need to run back to the father and ask him to clean us and wash our mind. We need to get guidance from a spiritual father and run for confession. You know why we go to confession? Confession because the spiritual father will tell you, wait a minute, I can see that that's just a thought you're having. <clears throat> it's not true. Sometimes we have false things that we think are true. So here's what we need to do on our pit stop number three. Sit with yourself and with the spiritual father. And here, listen to this carefully. Pinpoint one main sin. You're saying, Abuna, oh, I got like 10. No. On this stop, you're gonna pinpoint one main sin that hurts you in your mind and that you will continue to fast and pray for the rest of the Lent journey do you have that one you may have more than one but there should be at least one main thing and the goal here is what metanoia change of mind the prodigal son realized his condition and he went back to the father pit stop number four let's just keep the ball rolling here let's keep let's keep driving forward. This is the Sunday of the Samaritan woman. I love this gospel, the Samaritan woman, from John chapter 4. This is a gospel of mercy. You're saying, how? Wasn't it true that this woman made many sins? What did God do to her? Did he judge her? Did he punish her? No. I'm telling you guys, we have the wrong concept of God. He's coming with mercy. Mercy. That's why we say, Lord, have mercy. How many times in liturgy? Mercy. Mercy from God. I want you to think about that sin that you mentioned last pit stop. You take it in front of God and God saying, I forgive you. Mercy on you. That's what he says. That's what he believes. He could have, like, condemned this woman. He didn't condemn her. He had mercy on her. And what I would say here on mercy, there's three kinds of mercy that I want you to have. And I want you to listen carefully mercy that you receive from God, mercy on yourself when you make a mistake, and mercy for somebody else who needs it. All three are needed. All three are needed because mercy, from James chapter 2, mercy triumphs over judgment. Here's the thing, and you tell me if this is you or not. How many times have you condemned yourself? When you made a mistake. Felt guilty and shame, and you condemned mercy is more important and triumphs over judgment. How about somebody else who made a mistake in your life? Mercy. The Samaritan woman, what did she do when she received mercy? Who remembers? She went home and just said, Thank you, God, and she she just went to her house? What did she do when she when she received mercy? She didn't beat herself up. She accepted the mercy and she went. To give others mercy. And you remember very carefully. And when you give others mercy, by the way, I want you to see what the book of Isaiah says. When you give others mercy, guess what happens to you? I love this verse. This is the the verse about what's a true fast and how you give mercy and you help others in need. When you give mercy to others, your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard, and you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. When you have mercy on yourself, accept the mercy from God, and have mercy on others, your light will break forth. Your protection will be protecting you from the back and the front. There will be healing. And when you cry out to God, guess what? <clears throat> he says, here I am. So please, everyone, have mercy on yourselves. If you did something wrong, have mercy on others. Pit stop number four, accept the mercy from God for your sin that you confessed and repented. The one sin that we said we're going to focus on. Be merciful on yourself. Don't be stuck in guilt. Give mercy to others. Do a charitable deed or a kind deed or an act of mercy. Call someone, visit someone, help someone. In your home, outside your home, but mercy needs to be picked up on our journey to the resurrection. Be merciful to yourselves. Be merciful to others. God's mercy on the Samaritan woman today, how he loved her. He said, I must go to Samaria to meet her and support her and help her to return. He must come here in this church today. And we must also have mercy on ourselves and others. Let's go on to pit step number five. On our journey, this is to stop... When we read this gospel of the paralyzed man, to be honest, 38 years of suffering, laying on a mat. I don't think we could take one year or even 38 days on a mat paralyzed. I don't think we can manage that. I don't think we can. Like, we can't even like, can any of you really be paralyzed for even one day? That would be the scariest thing ever. And he was pretty much hopeless. This is what the paralyzed man said. I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, I have no one to help me. I'm alone. This is the worst thing in my life. He was really hopeless. When you feel like that sometimes and you feel desperate, just remember what our Lord Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. That's the resurrection. Get up. That resilience, get back up. That's the words of our Lord. That's the words that we should be listening to. We shouldn't be listening to the words or the thought that says, I can't. Remember the metanoia? We need a metanoia, a change of mind on the negative thoughts. We have too many negative thoughts that keeps us from rising back up. We have to listen to Jesus' words, right? I mean, that's why I always said in the very beginning, you have to have a secret life in the inner room with God. Private life with him. So we can hear his words. Christ's words are hopeful. We must inject it daily through the reading of the scripture. Christ's words are hopeful. We need to inject it every single day. <clears throat> to be honest with you, I really live off this. When I go back to reading my Bible, I notice that whatever thought I had, has been erased, it's been cleaned, it's been restored. It's, the truth comes. How many negative thoughts you had about yourself? I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be a good mother, wife, father, husband, whatever. At work, I stink. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. You have these things that you don't feel good about yourself. When you sit down and read the Bible, can't get that. That's why I said Christ's words are hopeful. When he says, rise, take up your bed and walk, it's hopeful. Inject it every single day. That's action item number five, pit stop number five. Think of one situation right now. I want you to think of one situation that you're losing hope in. I want you to think of right now, write it down in your app, write it down in your notes, write it down in your journal, one thing that you are really hopeless about right now, and you're thinking, there's no way. It could be about yourself. It could be about somebody else. Then I want you to find a verse that answers that and brings hope, and read it all week, meditate it on all week, I'm not going to give you the verse. I'm going to give you a verse on the next one, but not this one. You find the verse, and you meditate, and meditate on it all week to bring hope. I'm telling you guys, this thing is deceiving us. It's making us down. It makes us feel that we're always going to be down. It's always going to be like that. There's never a hope for... No. Metanoia here. Resilience here. The word of God is going to clean and give us the truth. So whatever hopeless situation... Put that in your mind, but take a verse this week and meditate it all week. Pit stop number six. This is the Sunday of the blind man. This is illumination Sunday. This is a Sunday that we can see, not just physically, but spiritually. I can really see. Oh, I understand now. Oh, I believe now. Oh, the, I'm hopeful now. So you can see differently. You look at things from a positive way, not just everything negative. And in this story, we had a blind man who could see, and then the, the leader's and the Pharisees were blind. They could not see. But the, the illumination is a light bulb going off. I, can, I get it now. Prodigal son had it. Oh, I get it now. The father. I get it. I got to spend time with God. I got to seek him first. I got to change these. This, I got to bring the negative thoughts in front of God. I get it now. My life is di- I I get it. I have, I have to inject the Bible every day. I get it. I have to be resurrected. I know that journey is long to the resurrection. I know I have to be married to God. I get it. You start to get it. Pieces start to come. This is the time of the season that you're going to start to, to see and to believe. And even Christ is saying here to the blind man who just lost, just gained his sight. Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in the Son of God? And I ask you that question. You say, well, why are you challenging me? Just hold that thought. Do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? You have both seen him. And it's he who is talking with you. It's a belief. It's an assurance. It's I know that even though everything could be bad, I could have made a huge mistake. People around, it could be a hard journey of Lent. But I know. And now I really believe that I can see it the right way. I see the truth now. I'm not going to be negative about everything. I'm not going to hold on to my guilt and shame. I'm running towards a resurrected life. I'm, I'm running towards a new life. And that's why... I like St. John Chrysostom's quote here, because it's related to the same thing. As a lamp lights the whole house, so the light of faith illuminates the whole soul. What is the thing that lights up the soul? It's our faith. It's finally we said, I believe you, God, really. I trust you, God, really. It's not just words I say in liturgy. It's not that I heard a sermon from the priest. I really believe. That you are there. I believe I'm in your hands. I believe that you're cleaning me. I believe. I trust that I can see that. I know that. It's not just words anymore. It's now, by the way, in the journey, you're, it's your experience. It's not a knowledge thing, an intellect. Oh, I know God is good. I know. It's you know it. You feel it. You see it. You experienced it. This is the illumination. By the end of the journey, we should start to have that. I don't want anyone to take anything by routine this Lenten season. And that's why I gave you two prayers from the Bible that I want you to pray. These two prayers, I love them very much. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 29. These are prayers in your secret room. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. You are my light, Lord. Enlighten my darkness. Bring light to where I have any doubt. Anybody you know who has doubt in God, really? Ask God to enlighten their eyes, their hearts. The second one from Psalm 13, verse 3. Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. No more death for us. This is a resurrection. This is life. I'm not going to let sin control my life anymore. you, You should not let any trial or sin or temptation or problem control. God, let me see you. Let me trust you. Enlighten my mind, lest I sleep the sleep of death. You are my light. These are the two prayers I want you to pray. In your secret room. In your secret life. This is the pit stop number six. Last pit stop. Number seven. Is being intentional. Now this is the Palm Sunday. And there's more verses from. It's four different gospels. And this is when we come in. And bring palm branches. And we sing Hosanna. And we say Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes. In the name of the Lord. Do you believe that now? This is a time when we have to be intentional. It's a choice now. Like, I believe Hosanna means God saves. I believe at this point, God is saving me. He's, he's saving me. He's working in me. I believe it at this point. When we reach Palm Sunday, it's not the beginning. It's like we've been on a journey, right? God is trying to come inside our Jerusalem, our hearts. He wants to be the king, and he wants to resurrect our hearts. He wants to be the bridegroom of our life. At this point, when we shout out Hosanna in the highest, that Sunday we say, God, you're saving me. I trust you. Now, we're not going to be the ones who said, God, save me and I love you and then crucify him on Friday. No, that's not us. Us is, we really genuinely say, God, I need you to be my savior, right? I need you to save me. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have to be intentional. Spiritual life is intentional. You have to make a decision every day to sit with God or not. No one's, It's not going to land on you. God's not going to just jump in your house. You're going to Sit down with him. You're going to give him an opportunity to speak. You're going to go into your secret chamber. You're going to make an intentional choice how you live your life. Work is there, but it's not first. Family's there. Sorry, it's not first. It's him. I'm intentional to make him the beginning and the end. This is a decision on our journey we have to to get and understand. Because as we have this intentional journey, this is what's going to happen. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's Christ now living in me. I made the decision. And by the way, when 55 days is over, I'm still on my journey. It never stops. But I've made the intentional choice. Here it is. Be intentional to sit with God every morning first. Be intentional to serve God. Be intentional to live a life of repentance and purity. Be intentional in daily decisions that should never separate us from the bridegroom. It's intentional. If you get to the end and, and your decisions are random, you're going to have a random life with God. Your decisions are intentional. I, if I'm going to watch something, I intentionally know what it is. I know that this decision is I'm watching something good. Or if I'm turning something off, or if I'm making a decision to go to a place, I know that this is going to help me and build me. We have to be as Christians intentional in our decision-making, not random, not aimless intentional and this will give us this resurrected life here's the recap like i said in the beginning i don't want you to choose all of them can you choose one or two is it that you need to be more serious in your secret life with god alone 20 minutes a day is it seeking him first is he now the priority is it need to learn how to respond to temptation my response is oh woe is me and why me and is the response need to change? That's our resilience. Do I need a change of mind a metanoia? Maybe my mind is so negative and so down. Maybe I need to bring every thought into captivity and say, God, can you clean this thing? Maybe it's mercy. Have mercy on yourselves. God is merciful. Have Mercy on yourselves. Have mercy on others. The Samaritan woman, you know what she did? She received the mercy and went to tell everybody. You got to go see this, this great person I just met. She gave mercy to others as she received it. If you feel hopeless like the paralyzed man, the words of God bring hope. Illumination, enlighten our eyes, God, so we can see the truth and believe in you and just be intentional, guys. Be intentional. Journey, if you like if I say I'm going from here to Atlanta, Georgia, where Dahlia is from, and I don't have a map and I don't have the GPS, now I'm just saying, I'm just going to take a left on this highway and take a right on this highway. I promise you, even though men, we think we know how to get to places, we don't. And we're going, to, we're going to get lost. We're going to get lost. We're going to get confused because we're just going aimlessly. Be intentional on our decisions so that I remind you, Philippians 3.10, I remind you this is the goal. That I may know him, my bridegroom. I love you. I want to grow my life with you. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's the goal, that we'd be resurrected, that we'd be different, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. To know him and his resurrection. I hope you enjoyed this quick map, road trip to the resurrection. It was quick, I know. I don't want you to do everything. Please, just grab one, two, or a few of those, and pray about it this Lenten journey. And I promise you, there's going to be a resurrection. When we come and stand here for the Feast of Resurrection... It's gonna be a resurrection of us. Not just Christ is risen, it's gonna be us. We are risen. Let's pray for that and glory be to God forever. Amen. Let's stand for prayer. Name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We thank you, Lord, for this beautiful time in your house. Thank you, Lord, for this this journey, this road to the resurrection. Lord, truly, Lord, all of us are your children. Sometimes, Lord. We are discouraged. Sometimes we are hopeless. Sometimes we have negative thoughts. Sometimes we respond with despair. Lord, you come into our minds. You enlighten our minds. You illuminate it. Give us hope again through your word. Give us life again, Lord. Lord, you're our bridegroom. We're married to you. We're going to hold on to you this journey. Can't do without you. Lord, we're going to fast, pray, give, forgive. We're going to do all these things, Lord. But most of all, we want to grow in our union with you. We want a new life. Please come and resurrect every one of us on this journey. Please help us to make you the priority, Lord. There's nothing more important than you. We love you. We honor you. We ask your forgiveness of sins. We thank you for this beautiful group. We ask all this in the saints, of St. Mary and St. Mark, Phenetia, St. Timothy, all the saints. Lord, here we thankfully say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in Christ is our Lord, the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the love of God the Father, grace, only begotten Son, gift and fellowship. Go in peace. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Amen. Thanks for joining us here today. You can find us on any social media platform and feel free to share a message that inspires you with family and friends. If there's anything we can do for you, visit our website and let us know how we can help or how we can pray for you. If you aren't receiving our weekly email, please click the Stay Connected button on our website. Have a great day!